from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Hey, welcome to the show. I am Jake Skorheim, your host. Hope you guys are having a great day. It's two, is it Tuesday, Matt. What is it? Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? It's uh, Tuesday still. Tuesday still. All right. Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you guys. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day. I had a pretty great day. Hung out with the family. Did a lot of fun stuff. Got ready for the show. Now I'm here. We have a ton of audio to get to tonight. I don't know if we're going to get to all of it. There's a lot of fun stuff. John Stewart is back on the air. He had a really funny thing that he did talking about both uh, both of the main candidates. Obviously, uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. There's just been a lot of talk about Biden's age just from everywhere. I feel like it just got all ramped up yesterday. And uh, so we're going to talk about that. We have a story about the bubonic plague. Is it pronounced bubonic or bubonic? I think it's bubonic, right? It's bubonic, yeah. All right, bubonic plague. We have that. We have a ton of stuff to get to. But I have a question for you guys. You can uh, let me know this on the text line. I was... uh, the other, the, just just a question to ask you guys, because I'm 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 a parent. I have young kids. I'm trying to raise my kids right. A lot of you have older kids now, and you've already gone through some of these. Do your kids ever use phrases that just completely escape you? They just seem so alien to you. You don't know where they heard them. They didn't hear them in your house, and you don't know where it's coming from. So the other day, uh, I don't know where we were going. It's like I don't know school, church, doesn't matter. We're leaving the house, and it was cold. It's probably 30 degrees outside. And my son comes downstairs, and I've lamented about this before on the air, and it's just like one of those things I'm going to fight him on until I get smart and I stop fighting him on it. He doesn't wear long sleeves. Or if I, if, he, if he can get away with it, he won't wear pants either. He wears shorts. He's not like a crazy person. He doesn't walk around in underwear. He doesn't like – he's just like – he's a guy who likes to be sporty, and he likes to be able to have free movement of his arms. And so he comes downstairs the other morning – it's freezing outside. It's really cold. We're all about to leave, uh, and he's and, I, and he's wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And so I tell him, I say, "All right, go upstairs and put on a, a sweatshirt." Now this is like just a completely normal conversation that we have all the time, and it's a fight. My wife always just glares at me. She's not, she's not glares at me. She always looks at me like, "Why are you doing this?" Just like you're giving yourself a heart attack. He's not going to wear it. Just just let him leave the house. But I. This, I just, for whatever reason, it's one of those things, I cannot let it go. I don't want him to freeze. I can see that he's cold when he goes outside. He just doesn't want to wear coats. I don't know why. He doesn't want to wear coats. And this time, what was interesting, he looks at me and he meets my eyes. I'm looking in the camera right now for anybody who watches on, this, on the camera. And he looks into my eyes and it was something about the way he said it. And it was with, it was like he wasn't trying to be defiant. He just had complete conviction that he was correct. And he looks at me and he says, well, dad's my body, my choice. And I'm like, what? He's eight, eight years old. And I'm like, again, I'm trying to prevent him from getting frostbite. It's not like I'm like, you know, forcing him to shave his head or do something weird. I just want him to not freeze so that we can be outside for longer than five minutes without him complaining that he wants to go home because he's so cold, which is going to happen guaranteed every time we go outside because it's cold. So I'm looking at my wife and she kind of, she's hiding a smile because I don't know how she's done this, probably because she's my wife and she's smarter than I am, but she doesn't have to fight these fights. She just doesn't have to worry about these things. She knows that I'm going to fight these stupid battles. And so she kind of looks at me and just gives this little shrug, which is like her silent permission for me to start making idle threats, which is where, that's my happy place. I can make idle threats all day and they work pretty good. They're working less and less as my kids get older, but I'm just screaming. I'm not screaming. I do occasionally scream and I'm just like, oh, your Star Wars Legos gone. 
unless you put on something. So he ends up like just getting a long sleeve on. It's just one of those ridiculous things. And Matt, someday I cannot wait until you have small kids because you're really making me look forward to it. Yeah, doesn't it sound great? It sounds great. Doesn't it just out. sound great? No, it's so great. You get to like yell about Star Wars just to make them wear sleeves, just so they don't die. I'm just trying to keep him from dying from the cold. Except in that scenario, I am also somebody with the Star Wars Legos. Uh, well, no, Star Wars Legos are great, and we play them together, so it's it's wonderful. Uh, but I don't know. It's just like, ugh, ugh, my body, my choice. About a sweatshirt. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. If your kids are giving you these lines as well. And it's like, no, it's not. I he's, When he moves out of the house, he can wear whatever he wants. And he can say, my body, my choice, all day long. I don't care. But when he's living in the house, and then I started feeling really old. I'm like, oh, man, I'm like giving him the when you under my roof speech. Just felt ridiculous. All right. Um, every night at this time, we do a trivia. And we play a clip from a movie. I'm not going to tell you what it's from. I'm just going to tell you that most people will get it. This one is no exception. Good luck. Oh, and then uh, you can guess on the text line, 888-973-5476. I will try to get back to you on the text line. We try to respond to every text if we can and let you know if you get it right. Also, if you don't know it and you want to know it, then you can listen at the top of the next hour in the news roundup, and I will give you the answer. But for now, here's your clue. See, the sad thing about a guy like you is in 50 years, you're going to start doing some thinking on your own, and you're going to come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life. One, don't do that. And two, you dropped 150 grand on an education you could have got for a dollar fifty in late charges at the public library. <laughs> yeah, but I will have a degree, and you'll be serving my kids fries at a drive-through on our way to a skiing trip. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, but at least I won't be unoriginal. But I mean, if you have a problem like that, I mean, we could just step outside. We could figure it out. Nah, man, there's no problem. It's cool. It's cool. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. All right, take a guess on that. Good luck. I think a lot of you are going to get it. All right, first story of the night. Matt, let's get into it. This is not one I expected to see. And when I saw the headline for this, I thought, whoa, this is a problem. This is on MyNorthwest.com. You guys can read about it there. As it turns out, it's not as actually scary as it sounds. But there is the first case of the bubonic plague since 2015. It has now hit in the Pacific Northwest uh, down in Oregon, it hit, and it's in Deschutes County. Apparently, it was with a cat, is the confirmed first source of this thing. The first case of the human bubonic plague, uh, I guess they got it from the cat, in Oregon since 2015, has been confirmed by health officials. Um, the uh, They were able to confirm that the cat was the original source because uh, the feline was also showing symptoms of the disease. According to the CDC, um, patients will develop fever, headache, chills, and swollen, painful lymph nodes when afflicted, inflicted with the bubonic plague. Now, I was like, when I hear bubonic plague, I just think of like, all right, Black Plague, Middle Ages, scariest thing in the world. Wasn't that the Middle Ages, right? Black Plague? Yeah, yeah. Middle Age. Which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was spread through rats who were going around the city and then getting into different food sources and, you know, just they didn't have the cleanliness that we have now. And the rats all had these tiny little fleas and parasites and things on them, and then they were just infecting everybody. It was just like, it was awful. It was horrible. But the CDC says, you don't need to worry about it. The public is not in danger. They say the victim's close contacts have already been given the medication that they need to prevent the plague from spreading, which is good news. The last known case of the bubonic plague in Washington was all the way back in 1984, so 39 years ago, 40 years ago, I guess this year, when a trapper got sick after skinning a bobcat, naturally. 
Uh, the U.S. averages about seven cases of plague a year, which is not a ton, uh, but it's actually double the number that we now know from rabies, uh, according to the CDC. My son once got a, uh, he was climbing out in the backyard, and this is not a a plague story, but it is kind of scary. You just like never know when you're going to pick this stuff up. He was outside climbing in the tree, in this apple tree that we had in the backyard. And I don't, for whatever reason, we just got dumb lucky. The day before he was climbing in this tree, he got a haircut. And he gets this haircut. So I can, like, normally he had, you know, he had quite long hair at the time because he was younger and people let their kids' hair grow out stupidly long when they're young. And so we wouldn't have seen it, but because his hair had been cut just the day before, he pops down off the street, he's coming inside, and for whatever reason, I, like, notice on his head just, like, a little speck, which could be dirt, could be whatever, but I examined it, which, and I'm just, I don't normally do these because they're so dirty all the time, you just could never tell. And it was a tick, and the tick was, like, burrowed into his head. Have you guys ever gotten ticks? It's very, Matt, have you ever gotten a tick? Oh, yeah, growing up down south, we had a lot of those things. So how do you get rid of ticks through heat, right? You're yeah. supposed to pull them out with, like, you use lighters and stuff like that. Like, well, how did you also, get rid of them? also, like, there's there's certain things you can put on, like, I think Camphophonique is one of them. But you put it on there, and it, it gets into their olfactory senses and their cells, and, and it they let go them. and Yeah, they release their whole. Because the danger is, like, they get this little, like, pincher on you, yep. right? Yep. And then if you squish them, you're not supposed to squish them down on the top of your head because then, like, their little, you know, blood and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it gets into your, yeah. gets into your system, and it can get bad. But ticks are scary, like Lyme disease, all that kind of stuff you can get from ticks. And people are pretty worried about ticks. I guess they're not. it's not as common around here to get ticks, number one. But number two, a lot of the ticks around here don't carry some of the more scary diseases that you can get down south, like where Matt, where you were talking about growing up. So thankfully, uh, my son's fine, obviously, and he's still with us to uh, you know make my life difficult with sweatshirts. Um, all right, let's move on to our next thing here. I'm looking forward to this. Do you guys remember that pay uh, pay up story that uh, ironically named City of Seattle pay up ordinance? Basically, the city what they decided to do is they wanted to make a you know make a uh, kind of a living wage for the city's gig workers for some of these app based delivery services. And so they set this number that all these companies down like imagine like a Grubhut or uh, Instacart. Or let's see what else they have, uh, um, DoorDash, Uber Eats, things like that. They would now have to pay drivers a certain minimum for to deliver their products. And the number was just higher than these companies were willing to pay. So, of course, when they have a new fee, you get a new fee. And so they had this tacked on this fee. And literally overnight, it became very difficult to make extra money delivering for these app-based delivery services. So much so that like it kind of makes you wonder, was that Seattle's intention like I can't imagine they were trying to shut down these delivery services but uh, we had a story last week about a guy I think he was talking to King 5 or maybe it was Cairo 7 or something but he was saying that on a Sunday he used to be able to count on getting you know a lot of orders he'd be all busy all morning on a Sunday morning he could just ju- jump on his bike hit all these restaurants make a bunch of extra money and then he would be able to uh, he'd be able to go you know about his day and make some extra money so this one guy locally here decided that because he was no longer able to make money on Uber Eats and uh, DoorDash, then instead he was going to start his own thing. And his name is Tony Isles, and he started this website called Tony Delivers, and it's a local alternative to food delivery in Seattle. And what's interesting is I think he's doing pretty good. So I invited him on the show. We're going to talk to him later in the show. So that's going to be interesting. I'm just interested in people who decide to not let local government 
step on them and uh, decide how much money they're going to make. He's just deciding, I'm just going to do it different. If the city shuts one one door, I'm going to try to open another one. And, uh, you know, it seems like that's that necessity is the, is the mother of invention. And so he started this new business. So we're going to check in with him and see how that's going. But we'll check in next on that. All right, next thing here, Matt. This was kind of funny. I saw this right before the show. I thought I would share these with you guys. John Stewart, Matt, you watch Daily Show? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I love John Stewart. He's back. Yeah. John Stewart is back. And John Stewart had some pretty funny things to say about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. He was talking about their age. I just felt like you'd want to, be, you'd want to hear this as well. So uh, he started off coming back to the show. He's not back permanently, I don't think. And I think he's only back like one day a week. Yeah, I think he's just doing the Mondays up until the election. Just the Mondays. Yeah. yeah, but it's already a vast improvement from what was currently being. Yeah, Trevor Noah is a good stand-up, but I didn't love him as much as host of The Daily Show for sure. I mean, John Stewart just, I think people really like him on The Daily Show. He's got a good like energy for it, and I just think it works. So this was him talking about Biden. Of course, as I mentioned on the top of the show, everybody... After that speech to Biden, after that special counsel report, which essentially called Biden an elderly man who forgets things, he then gave a, a talk right afterwards. He gave this uh, he gave this presser, and it wasn't a great presser, and he forgot some things. He was kind of uh, uh, kind of snapping at some reporters, and it was just kind of uncomfortable. It was not a great PR moment for him. And John Stewart points out, he says, "Yeah, like everybody talking about Biden's age, that's totally legitimate. That's okay." These two candidates, they are both similarly challenged. And it is not crazy to think that the oldest people in the history of the country to ever run for president might have some of these challenges. Now, Democrats will say that any criticism like this, especially of Biden, is unfair because you just don't know Biden like they know Biden. President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp. He's focused. He's bright. He is sharp intensely probing and detail-oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart. He's on his game. I was in almost every meeting with the president, and the president was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. Did anyone film that? <laughs> because if you're... If you're telling us behind the scenes he is sharp and full of energy and on top of it and really in control and leading, you should film that. <laughs> that would be good to show to people instead of a TikTok where he goes... <laughs> he also, uh, he also, he, you know, he obviously didn't uh, avoid taking shots at Trump as well. He talked about how old Trump was, and Trump is old. Trump's 77 himself. Biden is 81. These two old guys, they're just very old guys. And uh, John Stewart had some funny stuff to say about that as well. Of course, when it comes to Republicans, they've got a different strategy for their 77-year-old candidate. Well, first of all, Donald Trump is not an old man. He's an old man. He is objectively an old man on a human scale. Trump is objectively old. That is not being ageist. That is being human lifespanist. One thing we know for certain is this. 
We have two candidates who are chronologically outside the norm of anyone who has run uh, for the presidency in this country, in the history of this country. They are the oldest people ever to run for president, breaking by only four years the record that they set! <laughs> there are no more age-related milestones to hit. They got the ARP card. They've got Social Security. They've got their movie discounts. The only thing left to them is a Today Show Smuckers shout-out. <laughs> Which, of course, if anybody's unfamiliar with those, the Today Show features anybody who turns 100, and they put them on a Smuckers jar, and it's a very nice thing they do for the, uh, is it centenarians? Is that right? Is yeah, that what they centenarians. Call yeah. Centenarians in our country, which is quite a milestone. Really amazing. And uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are not far away from that. All right. We got a ton of great stuff coming up on the show tonight. Matt, what do we got? Coming up on tonight's edition of Cairo Nights, we'll be joined by a local entrepreneur who's taking on the big food delivery apps. Find out what he's doing differently. Also, some cool stats about this year's Super Bowl, and we look back to where it all started, when the big game wasn't as big as it is now. Also, Lisa Brooks will join us for a look at today in our news roundup. That's all headed your way on Cairo Nights with Jake Scorehart. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorehart. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. All right, you guys remember a couple weeks back, we were talking about that new ordinance from the Seattle City Council, that pay-up ordinance. Essentially what it was doing was it was saying that in the city of Seattle, they want gig workers to make a certain amount of money. They were going to require some of these delivery services to pay them a certain amount of money. The problem with that, though, was that that higher cost per driver was just going to be sent down to you. Every time you ordered food, there was going to be a surcharge tacked on because of this pay-up ordinance. And then we find out that drivers aren't getting orders anymore. People aren't ordering food the same way just as they were just a month ago. And so there's a guy whose name is Tony Isles. He decided to do something about it. He started his own business delivering food. Tony joins us now. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show and making the time. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, Tony, maybe we can start with this ordinance from the Seattle City Council, this pay-up ordinance. When this ordinance went into effect and people started seeing these extra charges on their bills, did you notice pretty quickly that people were not ordering the same amount of food? Oh, I mean, that goes without saying. Yeah, of course. You can just walk downtown to your local Chipotle and see how many orders at lunchtime are there versus what it was a year ago. You, you would notice it. So you decided to start your own thing. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how's it going? My buddy and my other buddy, they like were kind of in tangent here. They were like, what if you just cut out the middleman? And then, you know, my buddy was in India and he like, his girlfriend was like, well, what if there was just a guy? And I was like, oh, okay, well, let me just plug myself in there, you know? And uh, I, I know like, I'm a guy. I can yeah, do it. Exactly. I, you know, I can be, I can be who, who, the guy you need, you know, um, at your service. And I think I was speaking to my buddy Dave who owns a restaurant in uh, the international district. And, you know, he was talking about like, you know, how challenging the fees are for, for restaurants. And, uh, you know, th those fees eventually just end up going to, you know, the customer. It's, it's hard. It's hard, especially right now. I mean, eggs are expensive. It's food's expensive. Taxes are expensive. It's very difficult to make money in the restaurant industry, which is why we always find ourselves falling in love with a restaurant or someplace to eat. And then you come back a month later and it's been closed and you're like, oh, geez, especially after pandemic. Like, it's just very difficult to make money in the food industry. So things like this yeah. do not help for sure. Yeah, it's been hard for a lot of people. 
especially recently. So you started Tony Delivers, and you were just talking with your friend, and you said, "Yeah, I could just be." So, so why is your why is your system so simple, and why does your system work in a way that Uber Eats does not work? Ooh. Well, I would say the reason why my system will work is because uh, if you see me and I come to you, it's a different experience. Right. Right. I mean, even right now I'm speaking to you. It's just a different experience. There's kind of like this sort of lively energy. I, I'm curious. I'm also kind of curious about what you think and what, how you feel. And, and that, you know, is also exemplified in the way that I deliver your food. Right. Like me delivering your Chipotle is not just me delivering your Chipotle. It's me bringing your hard earned dollars and your, your food to you as like, I care about, you know, the end result of like, it's going into your stomach. And, you know, basically, you're making life decisions on that on that basis. And, and I care, you know, I'm just, you know, and I think a lot of Uber drivers and DoorDash drivers that are working, they struggle with, you know, they're struggling on their own to make ends meet. And, you know, they don't get this, they're not like talking to anybody. And they end up just saying, Oh, this is just somebody's food. I don't even know them. Yeah, I don't care about them. Yeah, you're never going to see them again. Or if you are, it's just gonna be a quick but, knock on the door and you walk away. Yeah, what? exactly. But you know me. What, what's nice right, is like, what, what you're describing is you have basically set up a boutique business. You have said, hey, I want to make it more personal. Uh, I don't want to just be this faceless, just a, a piece of a tech. I want to be a guy that people go, oh, yeah, I'll call Tony. Tony will bring my burrito. And he'll... Exactly. Yeah. And so... And, and, and if you're ha- having a bad day, you know, if you're... If <laughs> call you're Tony. Like, I'll, exactly. I'll, you know, I'll come over, give, I'll bring your burrito over and, and you'll be like, oh, man, it's a Tuesday. And I'm like, well, you know... You know, how do you feel today? And you're like, you explain and you can get into it. And, you know, we can have a conversation. It can be like a thing. A lot of people don't remember. And I'm, you know, I'm not old enough to remember, but there was a time where people would have conversations with the people that worked at the grocery store. Maybe your butcher that cut your meat or whatever, wherever you were going, you would have those conversations and it would, it would have a different feel. And I think that's something that's kind of missing here in the equation. Um, You're adding a personal touch. Yes. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of tone in there, huh? Just so, a little bit. So, so people can pay. It's a what is it? A, it? The other thing that I think is probably attractive for people is they get their food delivered, and it's just five dollar flat fee. Is that right? Just no matter what you're ordering, just five dollar flat fee. Exactly. Uh, it's just five dollar flat fee. You're inside that map. I come to your location, bring it to you. Bada bing, bada boom, five bucks. It's, it's not like uh, I'm not going to be like you know. I understand that you're going through maybe a hard time in your life right now, especially financially. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, Hey man, you know, I gotta, I gotta ask you for a tip. It's not about that. It's just about me kind of coming to you as like a personable experience and, and, and you seeing that. But you are making money at this, which is great. I mean, you can't run a business if you can't make money and how many, how many deliveries, on, let's say you're doing on like a good hour. How many deliveries do you think you can, you can do inside your circle? Oh, that's tough. Uh, I, I'm just going to say I'm doing well. Enough to keep growing the business. Are you hiring more people? Is this something that if, if people are interested in this, could they could they go find you at Tony? Is it what is it? TonyDelivers.com? Isn't that your website? Yeah, they could they could come find me. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens if there's if uh, you know if, if we get to that point, we we can continue the conversation. I mean. We got this far, so <laughs> I'm hoping I to, guess here's my, to here, bring it to the next level. Yeah, here's my question. What is the next level? So like DoorDash. DoorDash is a great example. And they probably started out with a much smaller number than they are now. But then they eventually got giant. They got huge. And, and so now you're filling that hole, that personal touch that maybe people don't, you know, that are kind of, they're longing for now. And, you know, are you are you hoping to grow the business? Maybe not to DoorDash size, but what's your, what's your goal here? I'm hoping to, you know, to grow to something that could be sustainable and, and something that could have a positive impact inside of you know people's lives that 
I don't know. I, I, I can't really, I really don't know how far that is going to be, but I got some homies and my homies feel, I feel, I, I trust my guys <laughs> behind me and they trust me. So we'll see what happens. No, you know? It's true. It's true. It's, what's cool to me is that you saw a need and you said, Hey, I can do this. I can make it work. And because of your small size, right? It's you know just what you. It is. Like if somebody calls Tony, yeah. Tony delivers, they're going to get you. You're talking to me right now, but you will be talking to them if they order your food. Exactly. And if it's not, you know, just like every business, if it's not profitable and it has to go under, it is what it is, right? Like it's, that's life. You, you, you know, you're living and you're learning as it's going. And obviously, um, it's not, once again, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a hard industry to, to, to get it, to catch a break in because there's so much competition, but maybe the competition just needs to look a little bit different. Well, Tony, uh, if anyone wants to check you out, they can find you at TonyDelivers.co. All right. Thanks, Tony. Thank Appreciate it, man. Take care. See you next time. You know what's really great about this story? I love the idea that somebody who was a gig worker, who was a delivery driver for, I think he was a driver for Uber Eats and also DoorDash, and he was kind of making it work. And then the city steps in and says, hey, we're going to have this pay-up ordinance, and it's going to be great press for us to be able to talk about it. What they didn't talk about, though, is how it basically has shut down this industry. And yes, there's still delivery drivers out there, but there are far fewer. Trust me, I'm getting tons of text messages from listeners who used to do this. This was a good, like a legitimate side hustle that people could count on making extra money. And now it is so much harder for them to do. But you take a guy like Tony and he says, you know what? I'm not going to let Seattle determine how successful I'm going to be. I'm just going to start my own thing. And it sounds like he's doing pretty good. So we wish him well. Good luck, Tony. We'll keep up to date on him and see how he's doing. All right. We got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to the show. Hope you guys are having a great night. I saw this. I thought this was kind of odd. You guys know who Joe Scarborough is. He hosts a show called Morning Joe. His co-host is his wife, Mika Brzezinski. And I don't think they were married before they started doing the show together. No, when the show started, they weren't. They just got married a few years ago, I think. So love just blossomed because it just had this like inescapable romance, attraction I to them. Yeah. I, I've been a part of an office romance. I get it. I met my wife here at the office and now we're married. Now we're expecting our fourth kid. I wonder if Mr. Scarborough and Mika, do they have any kids? We don't know if they have any kids, right? I don't know. I think they may be past that stage of their life. Oh, who knows? You can have kids. Biblically, you can have kids for a long time. I don't know how that how it all works. Uh, again, I wasn't able to take the sex ed class in high school, but who knows? I don't know. Stranger things have happened. All right. Uh, Joe Scarborough, actually, given the story we're about to talk about, they probably aren't going to be starting a family, um, which is ridiculous. Maybe they are. I have no idea. Uh, Joe Scarborough was defending Joe Biden. Joe Biden recently has been under question. People have been talking about his memory. Does he have cognitive issues? Does he not? So Joe Scarborough defended uh, Joe Biden in like a really curious way. I was just surprised that he would defend him like this. He basically said, we're all getting old. We all lose our memory when it comes to specific things. And uh, anyway, take a look at what he said here. Listen up. Oh, if my computer, that's my fault. All right, here we go. Let's try this again. Joe Scarborough, here it is. You, you, you had the whole political world come to a stop. First of all, because for some reason you had the guy, uh, the special counsel asking, hey, um, what, uh, what year did, did your son die? And Oh, yeah. Uh, so the reason this was also brought up, they had this special counsel recently. This guy, whose name was uh, Robert Herr, he published this report. 
And in the report, he stated some pretty surprising things. I mean, people have like just, you know, that we've seen videos of President Joe Biden, uh, you know, struggling at times through press conferences, things like that. Um, You just heard Jon Stewart a few minutes ago talking about President Biden having these memory issues, people questioning his age. But in this report that came out, uh, the report said Mr. Biden's memory was significantly limited, both during his recorded interviews with the Ghost Rider in 2017 um, and adding that among the things Biden struggled to remember was the date of his son Bo's death, which is very tragic and very sad. Uh, his son uh, did serve in Iraq and then came back. And a few years later, they found out that he had cancer and he passed away of cancer. But Biden has sometimes described him as being lost in Iraq. And so people have questioned his memory there. But apparently in the sit down, they actually asked him specifically when his son died. And apparently, according to this, he said in his interview with our office, Mr. Biden's memory was worse. He did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended and forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. He also noted he did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died. So any parent, any parent generally would remember when their kid died within the year, which is very sad. Because it means that Biden is actually having, you know, diminished memory, and which happens at 81. Totally fair for anybody to have that happen at 81. When you're the leader of the free world, though, then people start going, all right, is there a point at which you step aside? So with all of that as context, this is what Joe Scarborough was saying and kind of defending Biden. You, you, you had the whole political world come to a stop. First of all, because for some reason you had the guy, uh, the special counsel, asking Hey, um, what uh, what year did did your son die? And supposedly he didn't remember what year his son died. And and this was the most damning thing. I said this yesterday, and maybe I don't know. Maybe it's just older people. We've we've lived a busy and active life, but nobody's closer to me. Nobody's been closer to me in my life than my mom. If somebody asked me in the middle of the deposition, what year did your mom die? I go. I don't know, 2017, 2018, 2019. I don't know. I can tell you everything about it. I can tell you my final word. But, but, but again, that and same thing with Mika and her dad. So the fact, first of all, that he was asking that question. Could that possibly be true? Joe Scarborough is 60 years old, a 60-year-old man whose job it is to recall. Yeah, he's 60, yeah. To recall news events, doesn't remember the year that his mom passed away. And Mika Brzezinski, he's saying his own wife, doesn't rem- she wouldn't remember when her own dad passed away. It just feels like, I think he could just defend the president. I don't, I don't think he has to say, that. Ah, nobody remembers when their parents pass away. That seems kind of a far reach to me. He also uh, said that the Trump folks, obviously, are going to jump on this, which he didn't like. Secondly, uh, that somehow that's the most damning thing, and the Trump people are now saying the White House is like an old folks' home. Uh, They need to look inside their own uh, glass house, because inside that glass house, if the Biden administration or the Biden White House uh, and the political team know what they're doing, that's a glass house. The Trump glass house is going to come crashing to the ground because it's a lot of glass houses. There's clip after clip after clip of this guy not even remembering, uh, you know, the most basic things. You know what? He's not wrong. There are a bunch of clips of Trump. He he doesn't do them as many as much as Biden does. But the highlight here is that they're both old. They're both very old guys. And it reminded me of this clip, which we got a lot of response from when we played it. Somebody put this up on the internet. I don't know who made this, but it's very funny. It is a, uh, it's obviously a joke, but it's called White House Senior Living. And it basically sets up the White House as if it were 
an assisted living facility or a retirement home or call it what you will. At White House Senior Living, our residents feel right at home. Our vibrant facility offers delightful activities and outings, round-the-clock professional care, and exquisite house-made meals. Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me, but I've been eating all, all Italian foods, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream, chocolate chip ice cream. White House Senior Living, where residents feel like presidents. <laughs> chocolate chip ice cream. He loves ice cream. Biden loves ice cream. He can't get enough of it. Uh, where residents feel like presidents. That's pretty funny. All right. Uh, we got a lot coming up. We got a lot coming up next hour. We got the news roundup. We have way more audio than we're ever going to have a chance to get to. A lot of it very funny. So you're not going to want to miss that. And next hour, if you haven't taken a guess yet at our trivia question from the top of the hour, you still have time. Hit us up on the text line, or you can just listen in the news roundup. We'll give you the answer at the top of the next hour. We're going to be right back here on Cowboy Nights.